All right, we are in part three of Let's Make a Deal, and uh, <clears throat> whether you're a single person, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, I know that there's some things that will be helpful and beneficial to you, and uh, a couple of things that we've been talking about in this whole series of Let's Make a Deal that I think are really, really important, regardless of, of, of what your situation is, and, and I think we're finding some things out about us, about ourselves, if you will, uh, you know, who we are, how we're wired, all of those things, but... One of the things that we've been, been kind of using as an illustration with our backdrop of Let's Make a Deal, if you've watched the game show Let's Make a Deal, you know that there are some contests, you know that there are some decisions that have to be made, and that decision is, do I get what's in the box, do I take what's behind the curtain, do I take what's in the envelope, but there's decisions that, that are made, and then once we begin to discover the decisions that we've made, we find out, well, maybe this isn't exactly what I signed up for, or this isn't what I thought it was going to be, or how I thought things would turn out. And what we found out is that, is that all of us have a box like this. All of us have a box that has our hopes, our dreams, and our desires in them. And every single one of us, and I, and I want to reiterate, as I've said a couple of times already, that the things in our box, if you will, because we, we have hopes and dreams and desires. We see a future perhaps is with children. And, and, and you know, we, we may be, you know, we want two kids. Or, or maybe we're going to continue to try, you know, going to continue, continue to keep having kids. We've got two uh, boys. And so we're going to keep going until we have a girl. And, and, and we have hopes and dreams and desires. And others says, I just want one child. Uh, we have hopes and dreams and desires as it relates to conflict re resolution in our relationship. Some people, we're gonna, my family shouted it out. I mean, we just, we just got down and dirty and we yelled it out. But once we got it all out and we, you know, got the air cleaned, then we just sort of, we just sort of moved on from there. And the other person maybe never grew up in that environment. And the idea, of shouting it out is, is intimidating or maybe it's unsensitive. We don't raise our voices. We have hopes and dreams and desires as it relates to this stuff right here, uh, money, you know, how much we're going to have or we don't need very much because love will just sustain us and keep us alive and, and, and we've got all we need and others, this is, you know, a lot of fun. Others, this is security and, and, and the more I have, the more secure I feel. But yeah, the more you have and the more secure you feel, you're strangling me because we're not, we can't have any fun. And, and, and so we have hopes and dreams and desires as it relates to, uh, uh, if you will, a box in our life. And, and, and what happens is, and, and again, I want to say it again, these things aren't bad. In fact, a lot of these things are here because God wired us, God created us, God made us a certain way. And there's things in our box, there's things in our hopes, our dreams, and our desires that I don't know that I could really even have a picture for or show you because it's more about how we're going to behave towards each other, how we're going to treat each other. Uh, you know, you might think, well, when I grow up or when I get married, I will never because I saw my dad or because my mom. Or you might think, I'll never say this to somebody else or I will never do this. We have hopes and dreams and desires as it relates to, you know, men particularly, men want to be admired. You want, if you're in a dating relationship, certainly if you're married, if you're engaged, you would like somebody to be attracted to you. You want to make sure that, that you know, you might want to be a priority. You don't want to be an afterthought in a relationship, right? And so how we treat one another, how we expect to be treated, these go into our hopes and dreams and desires box. We all have one. Look at the person next to you and say, you have a box. 
But here's the problem, and this happens. And, and, and again, I don't know, and maybe we're shedding a light on it. We're giving you kind of a handle of things to, to help you understand some things. But, but whenever it is that we have our hopes and dreams and desires, when we enter into a relationship with another person, again, whether it's a dating relationship, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, what happens is over the course of time, your hopes and dreams and desires on your side, they seem rational on your side. It's like everybody would want this. But on the other side, it becomes expectations to the other person. It becomes an expectation. And when your hopes, dreams, and desires become an expectation to the other person, I expect you to want the same things as it relates to money management. I expect you to want the same things as it relates to children because, after all, isn't this the right way? Isn't this the best way? This is what I learned. This is how I grew up. And so the problem with expectations is the expectations become a weight. And after a while, trying to live up to those expectations become something that is heavy in your life that you get to deal with or have to deal with every single day. Hopes and dreams and desires become expectations. And and when hopes and dreams and desires become expectations, it creates a debt-debtor relationship. We begin to to feel like, well, if you, I was talking with Jackie Notch, who has a flower shop after first service. And I made this, I've made this comment the last couple of weeks. If, if you expect flowers on Valentine's Day, if the expectation is, is, is flowers on Valentine's Day, then, then guys, you know you better show up with flowers on Valentine's Day. And it's no longer I'm giving you flowers because I love you. I'm giving you flowers because you expect it. And that creates a debt-debtor relationship because if I don't show up with flowers, now I, I feel like or the recipient feels like you still owe me something. And so the question, how do, how do my hopes and dreams and desires stay in the hopes and dreams and desires box and not become an expectation? It happens by asking yourself this question, what do they owe you? And again, they owe you what? Nothing. They don't owe you anything. You, if you're married particularly, you owe them everything, but they don't owe you anything. When, you, when we live with a heart of gratitude, thank you for doing that, even though you do it every day, Rather than, well, I expect you to do that because that's, that's what the man always does. That's what the woman always does. Expectation limits the amount of gratitude, gratitude, gratitude that you have for the other person. And instead then of being able to give unconditional love, it becomes a payment. But that person doesn't owe you anything at all. And what happens many times is in our relationships, what we end up with is a tug of war where I'm pulling and I want my needs. I want my way. I want my desire. I want life the way that I see life unfolding. But there's a person on the other side that perhaps is doing the same thing saying, you know what? I want my way and I want what I think is right. And after all, this is the way that my family did it. And look how well it worked for my family. And look what a mess your family is in. And you have that tug of war back and forth. And last week we introduced a totally unrealistic way of living. And that is this idea that there is, should be in our understanding, particularly in a Christian relationship, a race to second place. That we, instead of wanting our way and we want to go first, we're putting the other person first in our life. And we get this from Paul's teaching to the church at Colossae, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, chosen by God for this new life of love, 
Dress in the wardrobe that God has picked out for you. You as followers of Christ have been given a new life. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things become brand new. And so again, because God's picked you out or chosen you for this new life of love, dress in this wardrobe that God has chosen for you. Compassion, put this on every day. Put on compassion and kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered. Not one up one minute, not down the next. Be even-tempered. And then this statement, content with second place. Now, that is not just a normal way of life, is it? Because most of the time, particularly when there's upheaval in a relationship, what do we want? We want our way. We want to be heard. We want to be right. We get defensive. And so rather than getting defensive, Paul says, you need to learn to be humble, have humility, submit, mutual submission to one another. The gift makes more difference than, than, than perhaps the position, if you will. And so when he says to be content with second place, and then he says quick to forgive an offense, forgive, and qu- forgive as quickly and completely as the master has forgiven you. Being second does not come natural. It is a decision. Second place is a decision to put the other person first. Their hopes, their dreams, their desires, their needs, whatever it could be, I'm going to leverage everything that I am, the power that I have, the influence that I have, the gifting that I have for their benefit. How many of you know that's not normal, but that's Jesus? I said, that's Jesus. And we are to be followers of Christ. We are to let his life shine through us. And yet we're still left with all of this stuff in our box. And so what do we do with that? And, and remember this, this, this box is us. This box represents everything about who we are. It's my hopes, it's my dreams, it's my desires. But when there's another person, there's another box with their hopes, their dreams, their desires. And so when it comes to tug of war, remember this third thing, that whenever I win, whenever I win, the we loses. If I win, we loses. And that's not what you signed up for. That's not what you desire. That's not what you want, where there's one person who wins and one person who loses. That's, that's not what God intended in this wonderful dynamic of, of, a, of a relationship. And so as we consider these things and think about these things, the question still remains, what do we do with the stuff in our box? Now, this week and next week, I, I want to kind of introduce another part of the game of Let's Make a Deal. For those of you that watch Let's Make a Deal, you know that there is a contestant. And, and the contestant is given an option. You can have what's in the box or you can have what's behind the curtain. You can have what's in the envelope. And they might reveal, they might show you that, that behind the curtain there's this beautiful trip. And you can trade the trip for what's inside the box. And there's a big decision, and there's a, there's a lot of screaming and yelling, and, 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 and finally they make a decision, and, and perhaps they give up the trip for what's in the box, and when they find, when, when they, they, and this is really a sad part of the show, but, but there's oftentimes a thing called the zonk. Bump, bump. And you don't want to get the zonk. You don't want to get zonked. And I've watched shows where I felt horrible. They gave up a beautiful present, and, and, and they get a donkey? They get a broken down piece of rusted out garbage can, something like that. They got zonked. And I know that there are people, not in this service, but there are people that are around who feel like relationally they got the zonk. 
They chose, they, they made a decision, and, and now they're saying, you know what, I wish I would have never said yes. I wish I would have never went out with him. I wish I would have never, I, I, you know, I wish I would have never asked her to marry me. I wish I would have never said yes to him. And, and, and they feel like they got the zonk. And what I'm presenting to you this morning, what I'm going to present to you next week, and it's not how you think, first of all, it's not what you think, but, but there are some principles that if we learn can help us to avoid getting zonked in life. Because we have an adversary, the devil, and he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And one of the ways that he destroys people is because of bad relationships. And if you're a young person here this morning, you need to pay attention really to this whole series. I, 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 just, I, I just unequivocally want to just tell you that this will save you a lot of heartache. And so I, I don't want to leave the impression either that we're just supposed to take our hopes and our dreams and desires and just, and just lay them aside, that we you know, give up on, on, on our future hope or dream. That, that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm asking the question, what do we do with the stuff in our box? And, and I want to introduce you to some writings, some things that Peter told us about. And he gives us a relational dynamic, a relational principle. Really, it's, it's more overall big picture relationship versus a, a, a husband and wife. But we'll make the application towards a romantic relationship, husband, wife, dating, fiance, you know, that kind of a thing, engaged couple. We'll make that application. But, but Peter's an interesting character. And you know who Peter was. Peter was one of the, uh, you know, original disciples of the Lord Jesus. He was there. Every time Jesus taught, every time Jesus, you know, preached, he was there. He saw the miracles. He was there for the feeding of the 5,000. He walked on water. He saw all of those things. He heard the teachings of Jesus. And, and it's more than just what's written down. The apostle John said, if we would have written down everything Jesus said and everything that Jesus did, there would not be enough books in the world to contain everything that would be written down. And Peter was there for all of it. And we find that after, after Jesus died, that Peter was put in charge of the church. He was very helpful and beneficial. He helped steer and direct the early church because of the teachings that he had heard of Jesus. He was then, or heard from Jesus, he was then teaching and giving that information to others. And, and, and through tremendous hardship, really, and, and, and a lot of pressure and persecution, he continued to stay faithful to the teachings of Christ. He eventually gave his life. He eventually died for the cause of Christ, for his faith in Christ, and yet he wrote some things that are very, very important. And when you hear them, you're, gonna like, you're not going to like it. You're going to want to push back. You want to say, no, wait, Pastor Brian, you don't understand. You don't get it. It's too hard. It sounds like you're telling me to quit. It sounds like you're telling me to give up, and I'm not doing that. But before I get into that, let me ask you a question, because there's a relational dynamic and principle, I believe, in our lives that can keep us from getting zonked. It really, really can. But before we do that, if I don't want to get zonked, what do I do with the stuff in my box? And, and, and some people think it's like this. Should I just ignore everything that's in my box? I mean, should I ignore, uh, you know, stuff about money? Should I ignore conflict resolution or, or you know, where we're going to live? Should I ignore that stuff? Should I just let go? Should I just give up on my dreams? Don't do that. That's, that's not what God is asking you to do. 
God's not asking you to give up anything. He's, asking, he's wanting you to invite him into your life. And, and, and other people think, well, I, I tell you what, I'm so tired of fighting. I'm tired of the tug of war. I'm just going to stay busy. I'm just going to avoid that other person. I'm going I'm to spend more time with my hobbies. Or I'm just not going to come home from the office. I'm just going to do, I'm just going to stay busy. And, and, and that's not what you signed up for. That's not what God wants for your life. That's, that's not what you want. Other people say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to take my box and I'm going to find someone else because you won't deal out of my box. I'm just going to find somebody else. And, and, and I hope you can stay with me for this, this nugget of truth. This is so powerful, and probably you've never heard something like this, but, but, but I have a revelation for you. Your hopes, dreams, and desires, this is, this is you. This is you. It is me. This is, we all have it. And no matter where you go, there you are. No matter where you go, there you are. And so if you just pack up and say, I'm taking my hopes and dreams and desires down the road, and I'm going to find someone else. Let's just be really, really honest here this morning. You're not trying to find somebody else to give your life to. You're not trying to find somebody else in order to be second place to them. You're not, you're not leaving a relationship because they just won't let me give my life away. They won't let me leverage my gifts and talents and abilities for them. What you're really doing, can we be honest in church this morning? Now, I know you don't need this honesty, but first service, they really needed it. And so, but, but just stay with me for their benefit. Really what we're saying is I don't, I'm not getting my needs met. They don't appreciate me. They don't prioritize me. They don't, they don't understand me. They won't deal out of my box, so I'm taking my box to another relationship because my hope is not that I can, not that I can be second place. My hope is that you will deal out of my box like the other person didn't. If you can't say amen, say oh me. So before you give up on some things that Peter tell us, Consider the alternative. You can stay busy. You can just ignore the hopes, dreams, and desires. You can try to pack up your box and bring it somewhere else, but you still might get zonked, and there's a better way. I said there's a better way. And so, so Peter gives us this relational dynamic. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 is some familiar scripture for many of you. But 1 Peter 5, 5 says, In the same way you who are younger submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. All of you. How many is all of you? So who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? Me. So all of you, that means me. All of you, clothe yourself. There's that idea again. Put on so that you're characterized by this next thing. Put on, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Again, uh, uh, an overall relational principle, but it's very applicable to a engaged, dating, married person couple, <laughs> if you will. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Humility, we think of it perhaps as an attitude kind of a thing, but humility is when, when, when I want to go big, when I want to fight, when I want to be right, when I want my way, I'm going to go small. Rather than powering up, I'm going to power down. Rather than stepping forward, rather than stepping to the front, I'm going to step to the back. Clothe yourself with humility. Now, I know that this sounds like you're giving up. I, I, I just, you know what, I'm, I'm dropping my end of the rope and I quit. I don't care if I, I don't care where I live, don't care how much money I have, don't care if we ever settle any kind of a fight. I just don't care. I quit. It, it might sound like I'm saying that, but I'm not. 
This is a powerful relational dynamic that will change your life. It will change the temperature of the house that you live in. Not physical temperature like it's 90 degrees out, but, but the, you, you know what I'm talking about. Right? When it's like, you know, it's hot and I'm just looking out or it's cold and it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, boy, we're walking on eggshells because we know we're in trouble. It'll change the dynamic that's in your house. He said again, walk with humility. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Now, before we get to the promise part of it, let me ask you a question. Humility is... is, is Humility is kind of an attitude, but most of us think there's most of us think. Well, I'm I'm pretty humble. I I I I'm not real arrogant. I'm not real prideful, but I'm kind of humble. There's a few people who you know are, are quick to tell you that being humble is one of the many great things about them. But but for the most part, we all consider ourselves as humble, don't we? And that's because we read our mind. That's because we know our thoughts. We know our heart. But for those on the other side of you, those on the outside of you, those who view you, we only see your actions, and your actions speak louder than words. Exactly. So if we're going to clothe ourselves with this characteristic of humility, we should ask ourselves a question. What does humility look like? What does humility look like? You can feel it. I'm starting to power up. I'm starting to, I'm going to get my way. I'm about to unload. I'm about to say something, but instead I'm going to step back and ask myself the question, what would a humble person do? Because if you do what a humble person does, you'll be humble. I know it's deep. It's really, really deep. Now, now here's the beautiful thing about Christianity. You get to be not just a hearer of the word, not your head in agreement. That's a, that makes sense, Pastor Brian. You get to do it. <laughs> As we say, Christianity is simple, just not easy. Because you want to power up and you want to be right and you want to defend. And, and the gospel is asking us to step back for a moment. But our view and what we're taught often is that, it, Pastor Brian, it's like you're, you're telling me I'm just going to lose. I'm losing. And I'm, I'm afraid, like last week, I'm afraid if I let go of the rope, I'm afraid if I don't keep tugging, if I don't keep pressure, if I don't keep holding on to this rope, you have no idea what he'll do. You have no idea how she will react if I don't keep the pressure on. And it sounds like you're telling me that I should just quit and give in. And that's not what Peter is saying. There is a promise that is attached to this. Because the next part of this verse says, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because, everybody say because. Here's why, you, here's why you should act with humility, clothe yourself with humility, because God opposes the proud. The opposite of humility is pride, and God opposes, God resists the proud. How many of you want to put yourself in a position to be opposed to or resisted by God? Let me just ask you, let me just tell you, if you put yourself in a position, you've opened up the door to get zonked. Now, again, this is counterintuitive. We don't think like this, which is why we need to renew our mind, change the way that we think. Because he says, 
If we clothe ourselves in, we should clothe ourselves with humility because God resists the proud. But there's, there's, there's a better part of it. And the reason that I should clothe myself with humility is because the last part of verse 5 says, but he shows favor or grace. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God's willingness to use his power on our behalf, even though we don't earn it, even though we don't deserve it. He's willing to move on our behalf. He says again, but he shows favor or grace to those who clothe themselves with humility. He shows favor to those who are willing to take a step back. He shows favor to those who are willing to power down when they want to power up. He shows his favor and his grace to those who are willing to take second place rather than demanding to be in first place. And again, it's not easy. But if we don't want to get zonked in life, we should consider the things that Jesus, or or in this case Peter, has told to us. He shows grace to the humble. Humility is an invitation for God to give you the strength and the endurance and the power that you need so that you can maintain and do the right thing. It is God's willingness. It is God's favor. It is God's power on our behalf. And what we're doing is we're, by, by, by clothing ourselves with humility in our relationships, we're inviting God into our situation. We're inviting God into perhaps our frustration. We're inviting God into the picture of how we see our future. Verse 6 says, and in a sense, because of this, humble yourselves therefore. Because God resists the proud, because he gives grace to the humble, humble yourselves, therefore, notice this, under the mighty hand, or under God's mighty hand. When I humble myself, when I don't demand first place, but I take second place, when I drop my end of the rope, when, 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 when I, 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 I decide to step back rather than step forward, I'm placing myself under God's protection. I'm placing myself under God's authority. And again, it might feel like you're losing, but can I tell you this morning, you are in the safest place that you could ever be. Because God wants to give you his grace, his favor, his blessing, and he wants you to dwell under his hand. But not only do you dwell under his hand, it says, if we humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, it says, he will lift you up in due time. Not only are you under his hand, you are in his hand. You are sandwiched in God's hand, if you will. There's, you're covered and you're carried. We might think we're losing. We might think we're giving up. We might think we're giving in. But we are positioning in our, our, ourselves in a position, in a place that is so safe, that is so secure, that is so powerful. And we're opening up the door for an invitation to God to come into our life, to step into our life, and to do something that is powerful and amazing. Now, I need to give you one more piece of this puzzle, and and, and we'll wrap it up hopefully in a a pretty little bow in our box. Peter shares this, and and again, he, he spent time with Jesus. He understood Jesus. And so again, when he says the things that he does, when he says that we are to put our hands, you know, put ourselves under God's mighty hand so that he can lift us up in due time, when the time is right, where did he get this? How did he under, he, he, he actually got this from King David. 
David, you know that David was a, a, a mighty, you know, he was a king, he was a warrior, he was a shepherd, he was a dad, he was a grandfather, uh, you know, he was an adulterer, uh, you know, he was a man after God's own heart, he, he, you know, he pled for, he got forgiveness, he at times had the blood of his enemies, uh, I mean, he wore that in a sense, and, and, and he was tremendously used, powerful, and, and at times he was a wreck, at times, you know, he was... Man, he was far from God. But what I appreciate about David's writing is that he's extremely honest, and he would always center himself. He would always find himself back in a position where he was giving reverence and honor and reminding himself about the power of God. And so David writes some things in Psalms chapter 55, and I want you to to listen to this, uh, particularly against the backdrop of relationship. He says in verse 12 of of Psalms 55, he says, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. We could understand if there was somebody that didn't like us that was accusing us or attacking us. But, he says, it is you, a man like myself, my companion and my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. He said, I could understand a person disappointing me or, 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 or rejecting me or attacking me and accusing me if they were my enemy, but it was you, a close friend of mine. Man, we went to church together. We fellowshiped together. We were close. And now we're fighting. And it's not pleasant, and it's not enjoyable. Verse 15, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. David's saying, not only do I want them dead, I want them to suffer while they're dying. It's like, can we be that honest with God? I mean, this is not pretty, this is not nice, but this is very real. This is, this is a heart exposed. This is an invitation to be honest with God. He goes on, verse 16, as for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out. In distress, he hears my thoughts? No. He hears my prayer requests? No. He hears my voice. He hears my voice. I think that sometimes, you know, we're afraid to pray honest prayers. We're afraid to approach God with our heart wide open. Where we've lost sight of hopes and dreams and desires, we've, we're afraid to even mention that to God. We, we try to pray polite. We try to pray pretty. We, we try, to, try to pray King James. But here's an example of David. He's just pouring out his heart to God, and he's upset, and he's hurt, and he's angry. And he said, man, I, I don't just ask. I'm not just post, posting it on Facebook so everybody can feel sorry for me. Every morning, every noon, and every night, I'm crying out to God with all my heart. I'm pouring out my heart to God with my words. And verse 16, or verse 18, he rescues me unharmed from the battle that is waged against me. And you might feel like, man, this is a fight. This is a battle. I've been going to war, and I am so over it. Even though many oppose me. And and this is where David centers his heart again. God who is enthroned from of old, who does not change, he will hear them. He will humble them because they have no fear of God. Verse 20. My companion attacks his friends and he violates the covenant. 
You promised. You said you would be done, and here you are. You're doing it again, and, and, and you haven't changed. And, and, and every time you say it's going to be different, it never is. And, and, and David is saying there's that one that violated the promise, violated the covenant. His talk is as smooth as butter, yet there's war in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet there are drawn swords. Others are like, man, they're so sweet, and I can't believe that they would say that. I can't believe that they're, yeah, but you don't see them. You don't know what's on the inside of them. Some of you felt that way. Some of you have lived that, or you're living through that right now. And here's David describing it. And then he says these words in verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. And here's Peter, hundreds of years later, writing the same thing that David himself wrote. Cast your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. But you, God, you will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust you. This really comes down to trust. My hopes, my dreams, and my desires. It comes down to trust. But here's the thing. God wants you to be honest with him. He wants you to be honest with him. And I think, and I could be wrong, and, but I think that the reason that Peter echoed what David had said, cast your care on the Lord because he cares for you. And that's the last part of 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast your care on the Lord. Why should I do that? Why should I cast my anxieties? Why should I cast my burdens? Why should I cast my care on the Lord? It is because he cares for me. 1 Peter 5, 7. It is because he cares for me. God cares about what you care about because he cares about you. And I think the reason that Peter chose that particular psalm, Psalm 55, because it starts out, man, it was my companion, it was my friend, and my friend betrayed me, and I wanted to kill my friend. I wanted to see them suffer, and I wanted to see them hurt. You see, I think that Peter was a lot like the friend that David talked about in Psalm 55, because we know at the very end... Peter, who had heard the words of Jesus, who had walked on the water, who had done the things with Jesus that the other disciples did. He heard the words of Jesus when it said, you are my friend if you do what I've commanded you. He heard that, and he responded to that. And at the very end, when it came down to it, Peter denied his friend Jesus. He rejected him and said, I did not know you. And Peter saw this lived out in the most powerful way because after the cross, Jesus forgave him. After the cross, Jesus restored him. And after the cross, Jesus put Peter in charge of everything. And he said, even though you rejected me and turned your back on me, there's something of value and worth in you. And my grace is sufficient for you. It will change you. You're not going to be a pebble. You're not going to be a little stone anymore. You will be the rock on which the entire church is built. And so Peter could say, if you just cast your anxieties and you cast your cares, and here's the truth. These hopes and these dreams and desires, they're a part of you. They make up who you are. They're important to you, and they're important to God. But the truth is, if these aren't being met, if it seems like there's no hope, that there's no dream that you're giving up on, no vision, 
God is saying, take it to me. Pour it out, fling it on me, cast it on me. Because the truth is, you are going to pour this out somewhere. And you might be too nice and too pretty of a Christian to pour out your heart to God and say, I want them dead. I want them to suffer. But you're not afraid to chew them up one side and down the other to your friend or to the coworker. And you're not afraid to tell everybody else in the world on Facebook how awful they've been to you. But you're too prim and proper to pour out your heart to God. God is saying, before you take it anywhere else, I'm giving you an invitation. Cast it on me. Pour it out on me. Your frustration and your pain and your anger, do not hold it back because you're going to pour it out somewhere. Pour it out on me. And when you do that, I'm telling you, you're going to rest under my authority and my protection. And I'm going to bear you up. And not only that, but I'll sustain you, and I will lift you up. And in due time, you will see a miracle happen. And and, and let me just warn you, the miracle may not be in the other person. The miracle may not be in the person across the room or down the hall. Or it, it may not be. The miracle may happen in you first. Because God might begin to deal with your box. Say, there's some things in your box that you don't need. There's some things in your box that you've made a priority over me. And God will deal with you and your heart first before he deals with the other person. So, would you bow your heads this morning with me today? And I know that this is painful for some, and I know that this is difficult for some. And, and, and next week, we've got one more piece of this puzzle to put together. Man, do everything you can to be here or to see it online because... That next step, next week, man, it makes all the difference. It makes one simple choice makes all the difference for you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning. And, Lord, I thank you for this congregation of men and women. And, Father, I thank you for the invitation that you give to us that we, Father, if we'll take a step back, if we'll power down instead of powering up, that you'll give us grace, that you'll cover us, that you'll lift us up. And that, Father, when the time is right, you're going to show us at the time of, is, when the time is right, you're going to move. And so, Father, I pray that for each and every one of us where we've been wrong, we ask you to forgive us. Where we've maybe poured out our heart in inappropriate ways, we ask you to forgive us. And, Lord, I ask you to work in our hearts. I ask you to work in our lives that what is so unnatural to not want our way, we take a step back and willingly surrender. And I thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said.